1: All right, thanks for waking up with us on this Wednesday as always here on The Fan in Indianapolis and broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Fellas, a good morning. Pacers losers. Indiana wins. Anthony Leal has a game, I guess, of a lifetime. And we have a busy show, a lot of NFL to talk about today as
2: well. KB, a good morning to you. How are you? Good sir. Cannot wait to end this month of january i feel like we have to turn the calendar to see the sun again right I well, you think february's gonna give us
1: sun god bless
2: you don't think we've seen the sun since uh i don't know maybe uh the colts played the i don't know raiders game something like that i guess that would have been in january as well. well i think that
1: was bad weather because i was at that game i'm pretty sure it was near sleeting by the time i got out of my car at the media parking lot but i don't know did you hit a pothole this morning no dogs okay, them very well. so you're good to go again, mark you're good to go
2: I was dodging on me out like crazy, yeah. <laughs> a little Frogger action for me and for everyone on this Wednesday morning. You know, it, it's funny. I was thinking about the game for Indiana last night, Indiana and Iowa. And, you know, I, I've got n- not a ton of people, but there, there's certainly some people that are like, yeah, I, I just cannot watch college basketball. You know, <laughs> the product's just so much different, and it's not very entertaining and this and that. And last night, in what happened in Bloomington, th- that's one of the reasons why I do love college basketball. It is... Uh, It doesn't happen often, and for Indiana, there has been very fleeting moments this season of it. But on occasion, Andy, you get that type of story. You get the hometown kid that, honestly... There's been multiple moments over the last 12 to 18 months. I'm like, wait, Anthony Leal's still on the roster? Like, in a world of transfers, he is not transferred? How is he even still on the team? Sure,
1: he could transfer down and probably go somewhere and play 25
2: minutes a game. And there's the hometown kid, the former Mr. Basketball, coming in there. And at at a desperate, you know, tons of adversity moment, he delivers for you. So, you know, again, it, it probably matters very little for Indiana and whatever the rest of the season plays out. And obviously some major injuries potentially. Happened last night, but for one night, that's a really, really fun story. Uh, and Anthony Leal seems like a great individual. Loved hearing his comments after the game, uh, and good for him.
1: Well, look at you being positive. Look at you bringing the positivity on a Wednesday. I appreciate that because it, the, the the win last night in the big picture for IU means nothing. I hate saying it like that. It's a. It could be a start. Well, the renewing a, Xavier Johnson it's a, injury yeah, is probably it's mean a, more than it's anything. A, yeah, it's a quad to win, so it means very little, uh, but the injuries and the stories, Anthony Leal, and then on top of it, I mean, Khalil Ware was a beast last night and was obviously injured, and I thought a couple times during the game, I thought, man, Mike Woodson, are you going to be able to keep him in the game, or are you going to have to get uh, Khalil Ware out of there? So, we'll talk some IU. We have some Mike Woodson, some Anthony Leal sound as well today, uh, and then last night the return of Tyrese Halliburton. Now he only played 22 minutes. I want to say, wasn't our o- over under 26 and a half? Didn't we kind of throw around 25 and a half, 26, 27, yeah, like
2: six or seven uh, minutes segments? Uh, yeah, you kind of said that, and then they
1: opened up with about a six, six and a half minute segment. I thought, man, my man Kevin Bowen got this one right. Uh, we saw, you know, how little he played there in the second half, and the Pacers lose by. By 5. They play no defense. They get way down. The Celtics make everything. They come all the way back. Uh, the Celtics hold them up. The Celtics have that championship-type uh, medal. So I don't know where you want to go with the Pacers. It was good to see Halliburton. You could tell that, you know, they they were kind of in that first half, kind of figuring each other out after he had been out for the better part of uh, two or three weeks, but some guys stepped up. Neesmith was fantastic. Uh, It was close, but we don't do valiant efforts with a team that we think can be, you know,
2: a five seed in the playoffs coming up in a couple months. Boy, I know it's not maybe the dominant topic, but Aaron Neesmith is such a critical piece to this operation moving forward. What a great contract you have him under, by the way. Right, and and what a great trade. (laughs) You know, trading Malcolm Brogdon, when clearly you needed to go in a different direction there, taking a chance on a former lottery pick and like Jalen Smith and obviously like Tyrese Halliburton, it has worked out really, really well. Yeah, I mean, defense, you know, certainly awful in the first half. Uh, you know, Reggie Miller was pointing out pretty much endlessly to start the game how much they're picking on Halliburton. You know, when you got a Halliburton heeled backcourt, boy, you better score a lot because right. you're going to give up a whole lot on the other end. Um, as far as the minute thing, I. You know, part of me was like, Man, when he exited midway through the third, I'm like, Wait, that's it.
1: Right. I thought we were gonna get
2: one more (laughs) shot at this. And and so I'm sitting there thinking, wait, could you have staggered that better? Like, could you have taken a chunk of the second quarter and waited until the fourth? And then I'm like, you know, maybe there's part of Carlisle's like, the fourth quarter might not even matter tonight. (laughs) Because there are points where, you know, Boston stretched it to fifteen, Boston got it to eighteen, and you're like, Halliburton's not even going to play in the second half. And then he banks in a three at halftime, and it's down to like 13. You're like, well, maybe you see what you got. And obviously, you made a great run out of half. I am very interested, Andy, how they handle Thursday and Friday. Because if you look at last night, again, he plays 22 minutes. There was certainly some rust. Uh, He did not shoot it great at all. There are also some moments where I'm like, okay, he looks just fine. He had like the mini, I don't think it's an outright dunk, but he almost kind of like postered Derek White on a drive to the hole, but remember, for him to get to that 65-game threshold and make the forty to $50 million difference potentially in contract, he needs to play at least 15 minutes a game. So do you look at the back-to-back with New York and Sacramento coming up and say, all right, you
1: can play 15 minutes. Do you hover around 22 sure.
2: again on Thursday and Friday night? And that's the only back-to-back between now and the All-Star break, so... I am interested in that. I thought last night would have been a nice night to have Matherin and/or McConnell kind of give you a jolt when you had gotten you really punched hard by Boston's first unit there, um, because you just flat out you just can't give up 80 and a half and expect to come back and win. I know you didn't get Phoenix, but that's playing with absolute fire, and and Boston, you know, made enough plays down the stretch. What the, the Pacers had one possession. Down three, is that right? Yeah, is that the shot clock I, violation? I, I have
1: the I have the play by play up here. Yeah, they they got it within. Oh goodness! Yeah, they got it within three with a minute to go. It yeah, looks like yeah. And they kind of swung it Otherwise, around. Otherwise, it was horn, a five point game. I think
2: Neesmith had a three blocked, and then Turner had a shot at the rim to maybe cut it to one, and that got blocked as well, and it turned into a shot clock violation. So yeah, one twenty nine, one twenty four. The Pacers lose that one last night, and they will be at New York. Coming up tomorrow, and then Sacramento back to back on Friday. Who won again? By the way, I mean the
1: Knicks. All they do right now is win. I, I can't without believe Randall, I'm. Without Randall, I, without I just can't believe I'm saying that. Our guy Eddie Garrison always sends us, uh, producer extraordinaire, always sends us the stats. I mean, right now the Knicks, since acquiring OG Ananobi, are twelve and two, and they've won eight straight games. Not too bad. And then Not in the last couple, they've had Julius Randall. Uh, we're gonna dive into this more. In the 7.30 segment, we'll get you some Tyrese Halliburton sound as well. I find it, I know we've texted about this, KB. I find here all of this interesting because, and I, you know, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, when they brought him back against Portland, you know, I'm not saying they brought him back too fast. Uh, They're the medical experts, but boy it sure beat the timeline that we thought we were working under, right? We thought, oh, it's going to be at least two weeks, and then then they got to test him out, and then he might they might want to ramp him up with a practice or two. And so we were thinking, you know, this could take two, two and a half weeks, perhaps even three weeks, whatever it was. Uh, and then he comes back and he plays the game. He's hobbled a little bit, and he plays 35 minutes in that Portland game. And then we see him out for, what was it, four games? And then he's back last night, and I thought, you know, before the game, Rick Carlisle with us yesterday, and I thought after the game, Tyrese Halliburton talking about it, they were very open in, no, we are gradually, because sometimes, you know, you say things, do you really mean it, right? Gradually, we are going to ease Halliburton back into it. And I'm totally so, good with that, yeah, by you the know, way. So much, totally so, good so much so that you're on the road in a close sure. and winnable game right, right. against the Boston Celtics. And if you win that game, you win the season series against the Boston Celtics. They win the game. They win the series 3-2 against you. And I'm not saying that's a huge deal, losing the season series to, to Boston, who is a great team, who probably should be uh, in the NBA Finals. This season, but they have made it clear we have a plan. And we are sticking with that plan. Last night, the plan was for him to play probably around 22 minutes. And they were not going to budge from that. And I just, I find that interesting given that 11, 12 days ago, you know, the guy's coming off an injury and played 35 minutes. Uh, The Pacers, I almost say they got scared off, but, you know, I think they were saying, hey, we got to make sure this guy is okay. We
2: can't have this linger in the next 30 games. And Halliburton accurately called it a setback last night. You know, you've kind of been waiting for that word from the Pacers, and that's what he called it after that Portland game. From a few weeks ago, boy, how good. Again, Boston is just, they are so good, so skilled. Derek White's their, what, their fifth weapon on well, offense? My, I know he could be an all-star reserve, well, and he yeah. actually torched you. Reggie
1: told you about 18 times during the game. Early on <laughs> We get it, night. Reggie.
2: Um, I'm excited to see... Purdue tonight. I, I I know Purdue Northwest. I mean, I was a little surprised. See, the line is twelve and a half. Purdue favored by you, twelve. And you a half. always
1: ask me, Andy, what would you do with Purdue twelve and a half, and I've taken Purdue. Man, that's a
2: lot of points, isn't it? Is not? A lot of points. It seems like a lot of points. But I, I think this game tonight is an item on the March checklist, and, and I've kind of harped on this a lot with Purdue this season. How do you make me feel better in November, December, January, and February about March? And there's a lot of things I think you point to if you're a Purdue fan and you feel better about it. What Boo Booey did to you back in December... That is worrisome for when you get to March, those type, Boo-Boo is a great guard. He, he, had, 31, he, he had
1: 31 for people that don't know last time around, and he basically got to the rim and got to the foul line when he it, wanted to.
2: It, it, well, 31 and then tap yeah. on what, eight assists and zero turnovers yeah. in that game? Yeah, and n- then,
1: nine assists, zero turnovers, couple rebounds, yeah. He's I mean, great.
2: an All-American type of effort. You go back to last year and then beating Purdue. He had 26 in that one, so... This guy, this type of guard has been very difficult to defend. Now, Lance Jones fouled out late in that first matchup. That was two months ago. You know, again, I, I'm just curious how Purdue defends a guy like Boo Boo. There are not a lot of guards like him in college basketball. I certainly want to make that clear. But when you get to March, you know, sometimes those mid-major teams, or just teams in general, can have these sorts of very dynamic, maybe not the biggest, but very dynamic guards at certainly you know late clock situations, making plays, getting into the lane, to your point, and facilitating for others. And Purdue, I don't think, has played a ton of these types of players this season, so um, I am anxious to see that one tonight. Again, that is at 6.30, so we'll hit on that as
1: well. But can and- I say God bless the Big Ten? I love these 6.30 matchups. Is this a Fox uh, Fox Sports oh, 1 see, game? See, selfishly, I would like it a little later just just, just to get <laughs> is the it kids bath to time? bed. What is it? Yeah, is it bath times yeah. going on? I mean, What's happening in the Bowen household? Is it? Yeah. yeah.
2: I actually don't mind like a little. Like Pacers start time last night was great for me. <laughs> oh, if fantastic. If I'm going to be very selfish. You I'm go with the seven thirty 7.30.
1: You're good with the TNT? I did reach out to uh, Adam Lefko who is anchoring the coverage there. Uh, see if we can have him on sometime to talk some NBA. It was a good broadcast last night. No, I, thought I Kev- love some Kevin Harlan. Yeah,
2: Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, Allie LaForce, outstanding there. Um, another news item we can get to at some point today Gardner Minshew <laughs> is a pro bowler. It's the, it's the best part
1: of the season right now. I love it. God bless him.
2: So let me let me make sure I've got this right. Not Zaire Franklin. Okay, so if Zaire Franklin and Gardner Minshew go back to their respective high schools at some point this offseason and the principal. You yes, know, sir. We've got an assembly and here we are. Oh, the and, assembly. It's great. Know, all yeah. right. Let's know, go, former, guys. Uh, he's our school leader in passing yards and he's a pro bowler. <laughs> Gardner Minshew, and then Zaire Franklin gets announced as NFL's yeah. leading tackler, 100, 125 really tackles, good football yeah. player. Zaire Franklin. That's, That's how those great. two get announced. Just because 19 different quarterbacks said no. I, I, I'm not sure if I have that number right. If it's 19, Josh Allen wants to go play in the PJ Tour event at Pebble Beach this yeah, weekend, well,
1: and other guys are, you know, in Cancun or wherever they go. Yeah.
2: I meant this in all seriousness. Why not Joe Flacco?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's fine. But why not Gardner Minshew either? I mean, get my man
2: Gardner. I mean, the, here's the thing.
1: The Colts, point, the Colts can't don't afford him to now. do you even
2: earn being an alternate? <laughs> like, don't you have to cut the alternate list at some point? It, okay, so...
1: Being a Giants fan there he are years He wasn't announced
2: as an alternate yeah, originally, I mean, right?
1: There are years that Eli Manning made it where people used to make fun of me. Ah, oh, you know, he's not a he's not a real pro bowler. Did everyone else in the NFC happen to say no to him? It's I'm like, you know what? Yes, they did. They all said other no. people
2: that have earned the pro bowl <laughs> oh, come nod. Come on. Is it not? I mean, wasn't Tyler Huntley of the Ravens right, back up? Right, he like, was a QB last year. This is
1: why I am <laughs> I think he was Uh, Our guy, Nate Atkins, who we're having on at 930, it may not have been him, but someone tweeted out, and it's absolutely fantastic, and they're 100% right. Gardner Minshew, Pro Bowls, one, Jonathan Taylor, Pro Bowls, one.
2: This is part (laughs) of the reason why I'm more of, like, all pro than Pro Bowl, because the only reason that Gardner Minshew is a Pro Bowler and Zaire Franklin is not is because the Chiefs won, and so Mahomes is now not in the Pro Bowl, so now the quarterback had to be replaced, and you had, like, obviously there had to have been many quarterbacks that said no to this, whereas Zaire Franklin, if you look at who made the Pro Bowl from linebackers, they're Ravens linebackers. So if the Ravens would have won the game... Right, he would have made he it. He would have made I, it. And, I know. And, and, and that's I know where, both and, of
1: their guys made it.
2: And again, I, I I don't know, maybe I'm you know just shouting out clouds here, but this is where I do have a gripe about we oftentimes recognize these guys as Pro Bowlers or not. And like, it's just kind of unfair that because the Chiefs won the game and the Ravens didn't win the game, we now, (laughs) and and this goes for DeForest Buckner and Ryan Kelly, they also got named Pro Bowlers yesterday because they're filling in for Chiefs players, Chris Jones and Creed Humphrey on that end. But I was literally going through the quarterback list. I thought, okay, so Lamar, Mahomes, and Tua. Those were the three that made it originally. Right. That's the, the
1: initial list. Right. By the way, the Colts had Quinn Nelson who made the initial list. Sure. He's the only one from Indianapolis
2: that did so. So, two are still in the game. Mahomes is in the Super Bowl. Lamar is backed out. Okay. CJ Stroud is right. in. That totally makes sense. Josh Allen is playing golf. Uh, I, I, again, Justin Herbert. Uh, didn't Russell Wilson have a halfway decent season? Is Trevor Lawrence hurt? Yeah, I don't know. Trevor Lawrence is either hurt. He's done with football. I
1: don't know. He's on vacation. He's in Aruba. I don't know. These guys leave. Would we a-
2: get Jake Browning maybe to see his girlfriend again?
1: Oh, man. She was hot, wasn't she? Mason Rudolph started a playoff <laughs> game, did he Martin not? him mumbling, yeah, in the background now with his microphone off. I remember she she popped up on my IG a couple different times the last couple Um, weeks. Hopefully hopefully Nikki was in the other room. Why ain't
2: on Gardner Minshew? Let him live. This just screams (laughs) like Kevin Bowen at prom. (laughs) Like... All right, you know. Um, All right, Alyssa and yeah, Sarah and you know, Brittany. Betty Jones couldn't find anybody. Who uh, Let's let's get out the uh, school yearbook and see if we can settle on someone. Oh, Lunch Lady Doris, what are you doing this Ken Friday? Kevin Bowen's <laughs> available Lunch at Lady the uh, 11th alternate. To, uh, I tweeted
1: this out. Put on my I, I would like to think, you know, he's in his, he's doing whatever Gardner Minshew is doing, which is usually just chilling, okay? And they call him, and, you, you want to come to Orlando? And he's like, I'm here for the party. And he's living his life and he's not in Aruba with uh, or playing golf with Josh Allen and so I hope he has a great time I hope he does something great he either does something great or really funny where people leave thinking Boy, that son of a gun. Boy, that son of a gun, Gardner Minshew. Look at that guy. Pay him $18 million. Plus, he's a a free agent. Maybe he can go schmooze with some people in Orlando. I don't know if any NFL personnel go to Orlando
2: for the Pro Bowl, but there you go. So how do you look at it? Do you say that Shane Steichen got the backup to be a Pro Bowler, or do you say Shane Steichen couldn't get the Colts to the postseason with a Pro Bowl quarterback?
1: Boy, that's great. I hadn't thought of that. I thought, man, the Colts, what a terrible organization. I mean, (laughs) getting rid of a Pro Bowl quarterback to go to this young, unproven guy, you know, within Injuries and everything else, you got a pro
2: bowler right there. A lot in jest with those <laughs> comments. Uh, a lot of football conversation coming up in a bit. Jordan Reed, ESPN draft analyst at 8 o'clock. Uh, it is senior bowl week. It's a very important week. Uh, looking forward to that conversation. See where the draft depth is this season. How does that match up to the Colts? Michael Lombardi, always enjoy our conversations with him at 8 30. And Nate Atkins, haven't had a kind of a local Colts person on in a while. And as the month of February arrives and we inch closer to franchise tag deadline and even the combine, uh, we'll chat with Nate about that. I I think I'll throw a couple scenarios Michael Pittman his way. Uh, Do you think it'll be a tag? Do you think they can get long-term done before? Do you think this hits the open market? I know him and Michael Pittman Jr. have a pretty close relationship, so we'll toss that Nate's way in a bit. Good Wednesday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call, KB and Andy.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips.
1: clock hour, hour number two, hanging out the drivehuber.com studios. KB and Andy Mark Dighton producing today's effort on this Wednesday, and we'll continue, obviously, to, to talk about the Hoosiers last night. Winners over Iowa. The Pacers on the road. Losers. a uh, Another road game against the Knicks who have been red hot, so we'll dive into all of that as we go here. A lot of hoops talk in hour number one. We are going to talk some football, and we get the football conversation going with a guy who I love. His name's Jordan Reed, ESPN- NFL draft analyst at Jordan underscore read if you want to follow him on Twitter X Jordan good morning thanks for joining us man how are you
4: good morning I hope you guys are doing well.
1: Man, I hope you're doing well uh, as well. Yeah, we are fantastic here in Indianapolis. I guess let's start here, you know, looking at mock drafts and you're looking at, at team needs with the Colts here in Indy. If there may be a guy or two, and it can be any position that you say, boy, it would be a dream come true if the Colts could get this guy in the middle of round one. Who would be a guy or two that would fit that criteria, do you think?
4: Well, I think the dream scenario is for them to add a pass-catching weapon for Anthony Richardson, just because whenever you have a young quarterback, you always want to surround them with the proper infrastructure. And I think they're on the right track as far as with head coach Shane Steichen. I have all the respect in the world for him and what he was able to do despite the quarterback situation going down for them last year. He was able to do a good job with Gardner Minshew. So I think them getting a wide receiver or a tight end uh, to help out in that room. So somebody like Keon Coleman from Florida State would I think the dream- Scenario if Brock Bowers does fall um, to them, I think that's the dream scenario. But definitely adding a wide receiver, I think that's something that they should or could look into.
2: Do you think it's likely, Jordan, that Brock Bowers would get all the way to 15?
4: If he doesn't go number five to the Chargers or number 10 to the Jets, I think things get really interesting just because. It's really hard to gauge where teams are with tight ends just because positional value, you're going to hear that a lot with tight ends. And there's just some teams that aren't fans of taking them very high in the draft just because it's very rare for a tight end to come in and have an instant impact like we've seen some have in the past, but some have struggled just because it really is two positions that they're learning in one they have to learn to block, and then, of course, the pass-catching piece of it all. So with Bowers, I think he is a very special prospect, but if he gets past the Chargers at five and the Jets, to 10, the Colts could be looking at a situation of where he could be there for them on the board.
2: He is Jordan Reed from Mobile right now, the senior bull, Chris Bauer, Shane Steichen, among many, of course, down there for a very important event that the Colts have tapped into a lot. Over the years, Jordan Reed, draft analyst, joins us right now. Um, it seems like a very top-heavy offensive draft. Like if you rank the best players available, Jordan, it seems like a ton of offensive guys would be on a whatever, a top 5, top 10, top 20 list. How far down do you go on a best player available before you get to your first defender? And are you feeling that as well? Very offensive-heavy draft here early on.
4: Yeah, I 100% agree with you, and I was just finishing up my top 50 this morning. It seems like every other player is a wide receiver, a quarterback, or offensive tackle, so that just goes to show you where the strength of this draft class is, but Dallas Turner, um, he's the seventh overall player on my big board, and we may not even get a defensive player in the top 10, which is something we haven't seen in a very, very long time. But the depth of this class is definitely on the offensive side of the ball. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens on the defensive side and where that first player on the defensive side is actually taken.
1: Jordan Reed with us here from ESPN.com. We're talking some NFL draft here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. What is your wide-receiving hierarchy right now? We're talking first-round guys. Of course, you mentioned Keon Coleman, somebody who could be there middle of the first round for the Colts. But what is your hierarchy? And do you think that could change with what's happening this week and what's going to happen coming up in a month or so there at Lucas Oil with the Combine?
4: Yeah, so my top three guys, I have it Marvin Harrison, Jr., um, Malik Neighbors, and then also Roma Dunze. That's going to be the three names that you see quite a bit at the top. And then you're getting into the second tier of guys like A.D. Mitchell of LSU, Brian Thomas of – excuse me, A.D. Mitchell of Texas, Brian Thomas of LSU. And then it's just a bunch of names that you can list after that. So we could see as many as seven wide receivers go in the first round, which is something that we haven't seen in a very, very long time. But I think the wide receiver names are going to fly. Off of the board once we get to April.
2: Again, Jordan Reed, ESPN draft analyst. He's with us here. Jordan underscore Reed. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, I've kind of labeled three major needs for the Colts. Jordan, wideout. Uh, I'd say edge rusher and corner. If I ask you to kind of rank those three needs for the Colts in terms of draft depth, maybe a one to ten scale. You've mentioned wideout. That sounds pretty deep. So maybe the other two, how do you look at edge rusher and corner in terms of draft depth here in 2024?
4: Well, I think wide receiver, obviously, is the most loaded uh, of those three. And then after that, it really is a toss-up just because I don't think there's a true CB1 right now in this draft class. I just think there's too much more to go as far as the information that we can get with the combine. Um, there's some other things that we have pro days leading up to the process. But edge rusher is really top-heavy right now with Leatu Latu of UCLA, Jared versus Florida State, and then also Dallas Turner of Alabama. Just touched on him. But then after that, You're getting into that second tier with Adisa Isaac of Penn State, Chris Braswell of Alabama. So more so top of the second round types of players. So I think for the Colts, they could have their pick of the litter of those top three edge rushers depending on how they're picked at the top of the draft. But once again, we may not see a defensive player go inside the top ten. So there may be a situation of where two out of those three guys at edge rusher may be available for the Colts. And I think they need help. Off of the edge, they definitely need some help um, adding somebody. Uh, Obviously, the Pay and some of the other edge rushers that they do have on the roster. So I would rank it wide receiver, cornerback, and then edge rusher.
1: Jordan Reed with us here. He's from ESPN. ESPN.com. He joins us on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, I know Michael Penix was having his hands measured what yesterday uh, or the day before. So <laughs> just to ask about the quarterbacks, and not only the ones there in Mobile, but the ones that we know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, et cetera, that are going to be taken here at the top of the draft. If I gave you an over under, I guess at four and a half, uh quarterbacks taken in round number one, would you go way over? Would you go under? Is that a good line? Uh, what do you make of the QB's going into the NFL draft. Again, that number four and a half, what do you think of it?
4: I was hoping you were going to say three and a half. Yeah. I was going to <laughs> <Yeah. the> over.
1: It's <laughs> too easy well, that I'll... way.
4: If, if, if I completely understand. I would go over okay. right now just because I think J.J. McCarthy is going to get into the first round and also Bo Nix. I think those are going to be your two guys that end up going in the first round. If I had to guess, as of today, again, we have a long way to go until April, but the obvious three that we know are going to end up being first-round picks, Kayla Williams of USC, Drake May of North Carolina, and then also Jaden Daniels of LSU. But it gets really interesting after that just because you have so many QB needy teams inside of that twelve, those that, that top 12. The New York Giants need a quarterback. The Raiders obviously need one. Atlanta, um, they need a quarterback. And then the Vikings at 11, they need a quarterback. And then your top three teams at, at the top of the draft obviously need quarterbacks too. So those top three uh, quarterbacks are going to go really fast, but it gets really interesting when you talk about getting Knicks and then also McCarthy into the pitcher. And then Michael Pennick's, um opinions are really all over the place about him right now. So we'll, we'll see where those three end up being selected.
2: Do you think the reason why Penix would not hear his name called on day one would be the injury history more than anything?
4: Yeah, uh, I think it's just the durability concerns and we have to give him some credit. He did stay healthy over the course of the past two seasons, but prior to that, everybody knows that he had four season ending injuries in a consecutive years. So medical... Medicals at the Combine are going to be a really big piece for him, and he's not going to be on every team's board just because every team doesn't have a need at quarterback And then There's going to be some scared off um, by the durability concerns, but the lack of mobility is something that's also been brought up about him. So when he has his feet planted in the pocket, his completion percentage is 69%, but when he has to move off of his spots or his feet are moving, it drops all the way down to 48%. So mm-hmm. that's something that, that you saw in the national title game against Michigan. Um, I thought they – Um, That showed some of his weaknesses uh, as far as forcing him off of the spots. But against Texas, when his feet are planned, we saw him just throwing what I call javelin balls all over the field (laughs) against them. So you really saw Michael Penix at his best and then Michael Penix at his worst in back-to-back weeks. And that's kind of where his draft stock is right now. There's just a lot of mixed opinions about where he could go. And then, of course, the medical piece is going to be very... Very key for his draft stop.
2: Javelin ball. I love I that. I love that description there you from need, Jordan you, you Reed. Need a tra- Jordan, you need a trademark. I was going to b- say before some other you know radio gas bags in Indianapolis yeah, trademark. Come on, on the set come you know <laughs> the last Thursday in <laughs> <and> April, <laughs> steal that from you here, yeah, Jordan. On. Jordan Reed, I, part I, of that's the one
4: ESPN your fans, the terms for you guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Part of the ESPN draft coverage. He's with us here again, live from Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Last one for me, Jordan. Um, I, I've kind of always said, and maybe it's a stupid core philosophy but like I would not draft a running back till day three that's kind of how I view the position the longevity of it just how that nature, how that position can have so much turnover do you have any like core drafting philosophies mm-hmm. like if you were a GM what would be uh, maybe a draft rule or two you would have when it comes to the draft
4: uh, I would say don't worry about positional value just because at the end of the day all that matters is did you get it right Everybody says, don't take a running back here. Don't take a tight end here. Don't take this position in this round. I think the Detroit Lions are a great example of that last year. Just take the players that fit you, and then we'll worry about the other piece later. So just take players that fit you, because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is, did we get it right?
2: He basically said my idea was stupid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were very nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, in a very politically he, correct he, way, Jordan. Was, thank you for it saying was, that It was though. one of those javelins he threw right, right. at you. Uh-huh. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Jordan Reed with us. Uh, you're there
1: in Mobile, and I know, listen, the Applebees had to be hopping last night with NFL personnel uh, there in Mobile, Alabama. I'm kidding, of course. Chris Ballard, Shane Sykin. We know Ballard loves the Senior Bowl, uh, as do many general managers. Who are some of the names? Some of the guys, like i have you know, reading your timeline, a Toledo cornerback uh, is standing out and obviously some of the guys in the trenches, maybe even from smaller schools that we don't know. who is stand- like the Notre Dame guys yeah, had a good day. Yeah, who's standing out there in the senior ball? I know it's just been a few days.
4: Yeah, I mean there's quite a few guys that had a really good day yesterday. You just touched on Quinion Mitchell, the cornerback of Toledo. I've been so impressed with him and that's what you always worry about with the non-Power Five prospects is how long does it take for them to show that they belong and he showed right away that he belonged from the first drill all the way through the last I thought he competed his tail off and he did a really good job showing the ball skills he's very fluid I think he's going to fly at the combine too wouldn't surprise me if he ends up running in the four threes so I think he's firmly played himself into the round one discussion and he's continuing to climb um, some other players that I was impressed by Jackson Powers Johnson the center from Oregon I thought he was one of the better offensive linemen that showed in practice yesterday, Talise Fawaga of Oregon State, who's an offensive tackle. I think he has a chance to be the third offensive tackle off of the board. Um, inside the top 15, um, Latu of UCLA, of course, he looked the part as well. Disa Isaac from Penn State, uh, who's an edge rusher. I think somebody is somebody Colts fans need to get very familiar with just because we know Ballard values those athletic traits, and he definitely has that. So keep an eye on Andisa Isaac uh, for the Colts, maybe somewhere in the second round or on day two.
2: And Jordan Reed, ESPN draft analyst, terrific stuff with us right here. Jordan, if you're going to be an Indy for the Combine, we'd love to have you on again.
3: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Really Enjoy our conversations. Enjoy Mobile and enjoy uh, what is Christmas season for you.
4: Absolutely. Thank you guys as always.
2: I appreciate
1: you joining us here on this Wednesday. It was a fun Wednesday. You missed any of Jordan Reed, any of our Pacer or IU conversation. As always, check out the podcast center online, 1075 thefan.com. You can stream us there as well. Take us anywhere in the world. If you happen to miss part of this interview coming up, you can check that out at 1075 thefan.com and his name is Michael Lombardi as we continue talking some NFL here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. A man who's held just about every job in the NFL including general manager and he's an author he's got a book out right now football done right setting the record straight on the coaches players and history of the NFL Michael good morning how are you today sir I am doing great. Thank you. How are you? Man, we're jacked up. Uh, it's always a fun week around here before all the uh, Super Bowl festivities and everything really kick off next week. I'll, I'll dive into maybe some of the intricacies, uh, if you will, of the game. But, you know, you are in this book about the history of the game, and no doubt you've been around it with the matchup, uh, not this weekend, next weekend there in Vegas between the Niners and Chiefs. How will that add, do you think, to the history of the NFL? specifically guys like Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, if they can get yet another Super Bowl championship?
0: You know, uh, I think to me, it, it, you know, obviously your careers are judged over the collective uh, collective wins and the ability to have the competitive stamina to continue to be in the top of your game every year is a mark of excellence. And this year they did it as a... As, Patrick Mahomes said, they, they've kind of done it the hard way. They were nowhere near where they needed to be offensively during the season. It wasn't until after Christmas that they kind of finally got their act together. And, uh, you know, they figured out what they needed to do offensively. And now they've won, you know, four straight games if you count. You know, starting with the Cincinnati game and then the three playoff wins, and they're they're where they they where they usually are, and they got there the hard way. So it's a credit to them,
2: Michael. What do you view as the biggest uh, storyliner matchup in regards to who will ultimately win Super Bowl Fifty
0: Eight? Well, I, I think if you're a Niner fan, you're saying to yourself, "We got to the Super Bowl, and our defensive line, which is the strength of our team." It hasn't played well in two games. We haven't been able to dominate the line of scrimmage. Teams have kind of had their way with us. Green Bay moved the ball up and down the field. Detroit did as well. So we're supposed to be an elite defense, but we're nothing but elite. We haven't even come close to it. So I, I think, to me, that's part of it. That That's really kind of where you're thinking. Can this 49er defensive front become the front that we believe was good enough to be one of the top defenses in football? And if they can do that, this chief offense, if you study them closely over the last four games which which I have, you know they've changed their model completely on how they move the football. They, they've tried they've done more about what they need to do to win the game as opposed to winning the stat sheet. so when you break them down, you know they they've had 40 drives in those four games and they've had and they've been able to they only average 5.8 yards per play. Right, wow. But they've had 20 of those drives have been for seven plays or more. And 16 of those drives have resulted in points. So they've controlled the ball, and they've done it without being great on third down. They're only, they've only converted 18 out of 51 third downs on the four games. So they've been able to do it playing what I call Canadian football, two to get first downs and two downs. And they haven't made explosive plays either. They've just been very efficient and have protected the football.
1: Michael Lombardi has been a part of three Super Bowls, has the new book out. Again, football done right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. You can find him on Twitter at MLombardiNFL. What praise... And what criticism is fair of Brock Purdy? There seems to be a bunch of people who don't love Brock Purdy. And he's, you know, at the end, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, at the end of the draft, you would think, you know, an underdog story we could get behind. But we know his play in the Super Bowl is going to be huge if the Niners go on and win or not.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's somewhat ridiculous. A guy averages 9.6 yards per attempt. He's had one of the best years in football, and we're giving him crap. I mean, I I thought we loved a rags-to-riches story. I know. I thought we loved this. And, you know, we love Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner went to Green Bay as a college free agent, wouldn't even throw a pass up there. They cut him, went to go work in a supermarket, and now he's in the Hall of Fame. And we can't wait to to share, oh, that's the greatest story of all time. How about Brock Purdy? You know, why doesn't he become the greatest story? I think there's so much within the media that there's people that wanted Trey Lance to be that quarterback. They they had everything invested in that decision, and it didn't work out. And now Purdy's kind of paying a price for it when they should be rejoicing about Pur- Purdy. So, look, Purdy's – he you know, you know, everybody thinks, well, he's not a good athlete. If he's not a good athlete, ask Brian Branch, who was trying to tackle him on that long run when they tied the score at 24-24, and Branch couldn't catch him. You know, so the kid doesn't get enough credit and he always gets the blame. And I think he kind of likes it. He's really a good player. I've been saying it for a year. Like at some point will we stop talking about him being Mr. Relevant and start talking about being good,
2: uh, the book from Michael Lombardi sitting on my desk, actually back in my office. Football done right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. Michael Lombardi, former GM, joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Shifting gears, uh, you more surprised, Michael, that we might get through this coaching cycle, and Mike Frable and Bill Belichick didn't get another opportunity.
0: I don't know how you stand in front of your fan base and say we're committed to winning. We'll do whatever it takes to turn this franchise around and then you don't even get on a a flight and interview them. I mean, the Washington football team, you know, is flying over Nashville. They're going to stop in Detroit to interview Aaron Glenn, and yet they haven't had any time to interview Belichick or Vrabel. Seriously? Are we serious about that? I mean, what does that tell to your fan base, that you really believe that Adam Peters and some new coach are going to be better than Vrabel would be as the head coach or Belichick would be as the head coach? I find that really hard to believe. The Atlanta Falcons have won 21 games over the last three seasons. You know, they haven't been very good. And yet they decided to go with their own structure, the structure that built the team, the structure that said they were interested in Lamar Jackson last off season of their front office. And I like Raheem Morris as a coach, but they picked a coach well below 500 in his career and passed on two coaches that have, have been well over 500. So It's the NFL in a nutshell. It's about protecting your desk. It's about guarding, keeping people uh, outside. They say they're committed to winning, but really, are
2: they? Do you have a favorite coaching fit so far? We've seen six of the eight filled. Anything that you particularly like? I
0: love the hardball. I love the hardball higher than the Chargers. Look, the Chargers needed toughness, mental and physical toughness. They needed an identity. They They needed someone to come in and build a team and not look at an analytical sheet and go for it on fourth down. And they got it. And they got it with Jim Harbaugh. He's always been 71% winning percentage coach in the NFL, won a national championship in, in college, turned Stanford's football program around. The University of San Diego, when he took that job, I was sitting with him at Piedmont High School. We were both working at the Raiders at the time. Our two kids were playing in a high school game against Piedmont, St. Mary's versus Piedmont. And he says, I'm going to take the University of San Diego head football coaching job. I said, are you crazy? What are you going to do that for? You're Jim Harbaugh. You don't need to take that job. And he's like, look, Coach Walsh always said, if you want to be a head coach, go be a head coach. And I want to be a head coach. And he did, and he won there. So I, I, I think, to me, this is a great hire.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Michael Lombardi with us here. He's got the new book, Football Done, right? He's got the new book. He's got the Twitter account, at uh, Lombardi NFL. Long-time uh, personnel, general manager, everything in the NFL. I would agree with you. I mean, the Jim Harbaugh hire, he's an absolute star. I cannot wait uh, for the Harbaugh brothers to meet up to play their coach against each other next season. I want to ask you about the Ravens. You know, Lamar Jackson. I followed him in college uh, at Louisville, Mike, and he has always been you <laughs> You know, in big games there, he wasn't always his best. They never won 10 games with him, but he won a Heisman trophy. And then here, you know, they were so great uh, in that regular season. And he was so great. He's going to win his second NFL MVP. But something happens to either him or that team, two and four in the postseason. And to me, the Ravens are just so good in the regular season. It's got to be a little bit tormenting that you get to the postseason and you're not the same team. Why do you think that's the case with them specifically any
0: idea well yeah i think i mean look the, you know their whole team is built around they're going to run the ball play action pass they ran it 16 times in a the game they panicked they panicked i mean they got down seven uh, set 10 to 14 to seven and they seem like they just panicked i didn't understand it. they got away from what they did excuse me. excuse me Bless you. They had two runs. They had two runs of 15 yards. They ran power out of an unbalanced look. They ran power out of a regular look, got 15 yards on each play and never ran the play again. They completely panicked. I didn't understand what they were trying to accomplish or what they were doing. And, you know, Lamar has to take some of the blame, but look, Lamar, when you saw him play at Louisville, he was very effective at running the football at throwing the ball in the middle of the field, and he wasn't as effective as throwing the ball outside the numbers. And for me, I think that's what what Kansas City took away from. They forced him to throw the ball outside the numbers down the field, which is not as strange. And they took away the inside passing game.
2: <clears throat> Michael, last one for me, and appreciate the time as always. Michael Lombardi, great stuff here. Former NFL GM joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, the Colts are in a position they haven't been in in quite a while. They've got a rookie contract quarterback, and now uh, how do you build with that? As a GM, how do you view that? Do you view that as there should be more urgency, this is the time to take advantage of that, or do you kind of stick to your principles? Uh, how do you approach this if you were Chris Boward?
0: Well, I think you approach it the same way you would as if you didn't have cap room. You try to get good value deals. You build the team. you got to strengthen the defensive front you got to play better defense. There's no question about that. I mean, I think you got to play much better on defense. you got to get more defensive talent there. So I think ultimately, you know, you just stick with your plan. You find players, you draft, and you build as best you can, knowing that if your quarterback is going to be a great player, you're going to have to sign him to a long-term contract, and you always have that in the back of your mind. So I think ultimately, there's no question that they can add players to their team, and they've got to alter their scheme. I mean, look, their scheme has been too soft at times. They've allowed quarterbacks to come in and throw the ball against them effectively, and I think they've got to be more diverse in what they do defensively.
1: Michael Lombardi with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I, you know, before we get you out of here, I got to ask you: How do you think the Super Bowl plays out? I, I know we still have a week and a half. There will be injuries. Who knows? Somebody may get in trouble. Uh, anything can happen here in the next week and a half. But the way you see it on this Wednesday, what do you think happens on Super Bowl Sunday?
0: Well, I think unless the 49ers defensive front plays much better, then I think the Chiefs are going to continue with this methodical approach of controlling the football, putting seven, eight, nine, ten plays, good plays together, and being opportunistic, and then winning with their defense and being able to create havoc with their defense. I think Kyle Shanahan will come up with a really good plan. I think Spagnola will try to force Brock Purdy to throw the ball outside the numbers, take away the middle of the field, But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be unless the 49ers change their defensive approach, it's going to be hard for them to slow them down.
2: Again, the book, Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on the Coaches, Players, and History of the NFL. Michael Lombardi, always enjoy our conversations. Michael, have a great one, man. Thank you, guys. Michael Lombardi, pay less Liquors Hotline. Maybe a little Allegra for him on this Wednesday morning, that would be my suggestion as an allergy Is he in the Northeast? Is that
1: where he's at? Is he up in uh, Philly
2: or Pennsylvania or New York? I I hear you, man. I I would add to, yes, the four-man rush for San Francisco anytime you're facing Mahomes. That kind of goes without saying. Andy, Travis Kelsey had 11 catches on 11 targets in the AFC title game. Like, 11 catches yeah. on 11. Every time you threw him the damn ball, he caught it. And he got a first down. Every time you
1: threw him the ball, he caught it, and he got a first down. Or a <laughs> touchdown.
2: Two weeks of prep.
1: <laughs> Two you weeks of prep. Can't allow how, that.
2: How do you take that away? Make the Rashid Rices. Make the Marquez Valdez Scantling. You know, make them have to deliver a double-digit target game and do some things for you. I know it's easier said than done. But again, Kelsey's had kind of an up-and-down season for his you know, first ballot Hall of Fame standard. What does two weeks of prep time do for San Francisco in trying to quiet that down? Because I thought Kansas City just set the tone on Sunday. They deferred. They force a three and out. They get the ball. They move it down the field. They go for it on fourth down. Who do they go to? Kelsey. They get Kyle Hamilton lined up on Kelsey in the red zone. Kyle Hamilton's a stud. Kansas City says, we don't care. We'll go right at that. Kelsey makes the big touchdown grab. And I thought that just set the tone for the entire game. So uh, I would add that one. On the uh, story. Well, have ways. you seen Kelsey's postseason stats? They're absolutely absurd. Like full, se- those would be great for full seasons. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's 156 catches, 1810 yards, and 19 touchdowns in 21 games. Oh, well, he man. passed. He passed Jerry Rice all time, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I
1: yeah. think he did. I remember last when week. he
2: passed like Reggie Wayne all time. You know, that was what, a hell. A half, a half dozen postseason games ago, Reggie Wayne had ranked, I think, for a long time second on the list in postseason catches. All time, yeah. I mean, w- when the moments are the brightest, he delivers. The Chiefs,
1: and the Chiefs deliver
2: more Chiefs so deliver, than not. He and delivers. And that, Mahomes do deliver. Yeah, so, I mean, every that, time. That, that do. So, um, again, I, I know it's much easier said than done, but you know, Greenlaw, and uh, they don't really have a lot of obvious names. I think jump out at me. I guess Fred Warner, maybe. But do you want to put a linebacker on Kelsey? You know, is there a safety there? Something. Steve Wilkes and company have got to come up
1: with. I thought Mark was going to do a joke there. I thought he was going to say, did you you see who... Uh, Travis Kelsey's dating, like I thought he was going to do that joke. I also thought in the back of my mind, I thought about bringing this up to you guys, as funny sports radio performance art, if we had Mike Lombardi, who is a football lifer, okay, who has been anything from a scout uh, to coaching to a general manager, author, analyst, who has done everything around the game, if we had him on and only talked about the effect that he believes Taylor Swift will have in the game plan. If we just only ask those questions, how many would it take before Lombardi said, to hell with promoting the book, I'm out of here? <laughs>
2: uh, Taylor Swift has that song, Cruel Summer, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, uh-huh. does she? I have no idea. Yeah, Rosie Bowen really oh, hits those you high notes Oh, boy. Very well. Isn't yeah. that a show, Cruel Summer? Seems like yeah, my
1: life free form, I think. Yeah, seems like that's something I've seen playing in the background. Would it
2: be too cruel if 49er Nation drummed up a rumor about Mr. Kelsey off the field here in the next couple oh, of weeks. Oh, That'd be poor now, form. now
1: you're talking.
2: Now this <laughs> is juice, right? Okay. I mean, this is a this is a well, Super Bowl storyline. What? He
1: cheated on hey, boy, 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 Taylor man. Swift or he has another girlfriend or he has a
2: mistress I'll, or what? I'll let them come okay. up with, if they were real fans, they <laughs> would find think something. about this because if the Swifties turn on Kelsey, 49ers by what, 17?
1: Do you see Shannon Sharp came out? He said, Swifties better than Beyonce. She, she moves the needle, second mm-hmm. to only maybe Michael Jackson. He oh was getting crushed, and I love
2: that. The queen bee. I, I know. I, I, I don't know. He the, said, bring uh, it on. He said, let's right. go. It, yeah, beehive, little call? beehive. If I'm yeah. a sports gambling site, I am hammering these Taylor Swift prop bets. Get the get – the, you know the girls, the eighteen-year-olds, and stuff. Forty-four to sign seconds, up. right? That was how long she was on TV for the entire. 20, I thought it was twenty-four. Again? I thought, I thought I saw 24. I saw it was twenty-four. Three hours and nine <laughs> minutes. She was on for forty-four <laughs> seconds. Yeah.
0: You you but b- I'm so mad. She's ruining my Sundays. You know, Get you can here.
2: you can bet on the national anthem and everything. I did have a buddy like four
1: years ago. Like I know someone who was in the arena when such and such was warming up, and she was going over every single time. You need to bet the overs. I put twenty-five bucks on the over, and the over did hit. It did hit. Wow, I, think, I was thinking maybe I, nerves no, in the moment, I, I, you might go faster. I didn't believe him that he had an inside source in whatever stadium, but it did hit. Uh, you can't bet, well, Travis Kelsey proposed to Taylor Swift. I did
3: uh, see
2: that.
1: Uh, I did see Not that.
3: Even- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: In Canada, it's not even the United States. All right, welcome back, 9 o'clock hour, hanging on the drive, Hubler.com studios, always love doing that. Great stuff, Michael Lombardi, Jordan Reed, you miss any of our NFL conversation, you can check it out, 1075thefan.com, reminder pop quiz coming your way here in about a half an hour. But for now, we head on back out to the Pay Less Liquors hotline. Nate Atkins joins us from the Indianapolis Star, following the Colts in the NFL. For them, Nate, good morning. How are you today, sir?
5: Doing great, Andy. Uh, just uh, it's amazing. It's already been just a few weeks since cold season ended. Here we are, uh, what, like two weeks now from the Super Bowl. So it's sort of like that that, that moment where we're all kind of wondering what, what we're supposed to do at the moment. So <laughs> it's, it's a little different than the last two off seasons, I feel like, where like last year I think we are lining up like 14 different head coaching candidates already and trying to track all of that. Luckily a much quieter off season for the Colts so far, but I don't think anyone's complaining.
1: Uh, it's the P word, peaceful, at least for right now, uh, is the Colts beat. Of course, we're saying that. We might as well knock on wood. Calm I don't, before yeah, the storm. Yeah, calm before yeah. the storm. I don't know what we're trying to do uh, by cursing any of these things. So which was it here? Shane Steichen made Gardner Minshew into a pro bowler? Or KB, how did you phrase it? Or Shane Steichen couldn't get
2: his team to the yeah. playoffs with a pro bowl quarterback in Gardner Minshew, Nate? Th- that's our hot topic, yeah. Nate, on January 31st. <laughs>
5: Yeah, I don't know, man. I guess if you want a topic in radio, you can put Shane on the hot seat for that. <laughs> um, that's pretty bad to have a Pro Bowl quarterback and not make the, not make the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he would end up being one of the alternates, but hey, uh, it's, it's, it just kind of sums up what the season was like in the NFL, especially the AFC, uh, with quarterback injuries and, gosh, it's a. Uh, Pro Bowl is a weird, weird experience at this point.
2: Nate, do we know, and I ask this in all seriousness, do we know what number alternate he was? Because he wasn't originally, basically how it worked was this. Originally announced it was Quentin Nelson is in the game, and then they had four alternates, right, was the first announcement. It was Pittman, it was Kelly, yeah. it was Buckner, and it was Zaire Franklin. So Minshew wasn't one of the four alternates originally. Do you have any idea like what number he was on the list?
5: I'm not sure what number he was. I know Josh Allen isn't playing. Uh, some guys just—it's weird because obviously Mahomes isn't going to play because he's in the Super Bowl. There's some guys that aren't going to play because of injuries, guys like or guys that weren't even sort of didn't have enough of the season to get to that point, like Joe Burrow, uh, or guys who do an offseason surgery. I'm sure Trevor Lawrence is in that camp, but you know some guys just they just don't they just don't end up doing it, and then maybe that's where Josh Allen is. It's it's interesting. You'd have to go through the list uh in the ASC to kinda of, <laughs> to try and figure out kind of where he would fall within that. And it's it's hard to figure out because I mean I mean Gardner obviously Gardner did some he did some good things this year. I thought sure. he had some good games down the stretch, but at the end of the day he was I think he was twentieth in touchdown passes and eighteenth in yards per attempt. So uh, a lot of things had to happen for him to be able to, you know, be, be a guy going to the Pro Bowl.
2: He is Nate Atkins from the Naple Star. Him and Joel Erickson do a great job covering the Colts. On that beat, Uh, I I do want to go back to Sunday and kind of spin it in a Colts direction. Obviously, the Dan Campbell decisions abundant. Uh, Let's stick with the two fourth down decisions to forego field goal attempts and go for them. And let's say Shane Steichen is the coach of the Lions. Same exact personnel, same exact kicker, same exact quarterback. Uh, Watching Shane operate for 17 games this season, Nate. Do you think he foregoes field goals in both of those moments?
5: Yeah, I think he does. Uh Shane was very you know, he's he's pretty in tune with the personnel that he has. I I feel like part of you know, part of him he he gets here and they, the Colts signed Matt Gay so that he would be able to have that longer range. And that's I think played into why Shane at times would, you know, do that stuff where he'd bring his offense out on fourth down just to try to get him to jump and not take a timeout, take the penalty because his kicker could hit from distance. And we've seen Michael Badgley here in indy and he's he's not a long-range kicker in fact from since 2018 on uh for for all kickers with 20 plus attempts he's the worst from 48 yards or longer that last kick being 48 yards and then you factor in that it's you know that you're outdoors and you're on the road and it's a huge moment and it's fourth and three and the lions did this all year where 20 times they went for it fourth and three or less converted 15 of those so I think that Shane that Shane would have had that same kind of approach, given the way the Lions built that team, where uh, you know they they're an offensive juggernaut in a lot of ways, in that kind of range of the field, dominant offensive line, accurate quarterback, a lot of weapons, great offensive coordinator. You're gonna, I think you should rely on those guys more than uh, more than a kicker who's struggled. So. You never quite know until Shane's in that spot. Uh, Dan Campbell, we know, we know what he is. He's always going to go for it in, in situations where it's like a dice roll like that. But I don't. Know, I feel like a lot of offensive coaches who uh, didn't have faith in their kicker, the Lions didn't because they only asked Bashley to attempt, I think, one kick of more than 41 yards this season. I think a lot of offensive coaches would have taken the, the approach Dan Campbell did. It just looks a lot worse when it doesn't doesn't end up working.
1: Nate Atkins with us uh, from the Indianapolis Star following the Colts for them. You wrote about this, I don't know, four or five days ago when we had four teams and obviously now uh, just the Super Bowl with the Niners and Chiefs, but it is interesting and we've talked about it on the show, Nate. I mean, you have, you know, the, uh, the 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 Chiefs have had to operate the last couple years after paying Patrick Mahomes huge money, right, at the quarterback position, and we see now quite literally the back end of the entire draft. Bro- Purdy's not being paid anything, and so the Niners... Have all sorts of financial flexibility uh, to add guys, and you have seen them take advantage of that. Those are two different teams that are that have had to build now two different ways. The Colts are in the situation of the next couple years not having to pay big money, obviously more than Purdy, but not huge money to their quarterback and Anthony Richardson. What do you think the Colts? And again, I know you wrote about this. What do you think they? can take from the two different philosophies we see now working right now in the Super Bowl.
5: Yeah, I mean I think it shows that you can you can make it far with a highly expensive quarterback. He just has to really, really be that guy. And that's what Patrick Mahomes is with you know six years in this league, six AFC title games, four Super Bowl appearances, and he just keeps finding ways. I mean he has not turned the ball over this postseason, which is incredible considering the, the kind of out of structure plays that he's making week in and week out. And you know, and and he had to beat Lamar Jackson to get there and Lamar just signed a major deal too. And so the Ravens had the top seed in the AFC, the top overall record in the NFL, uh, you know, with with a quarterback in his first year of an expensive deal. So it can happen. They've just got to they've gotta be that kind of superhuman Player and obviously you have to hit on so many other areas and draft well. Those are two franchises that have just they've really hit on a lot of different uh, value signings and coordinator hires, and you have to have a lot in in working in the right way. But it certainly gets harder because I think about you know the team that that we can always compare uh, the Colts to based on their head coach is the Eagles and the model they took from there. Well, a year ago the Eagles were in this game with Jalen Hurts on that rookie deal. This year. Uh, they you know, they fall apart late in the season when Jalen Hurts is on, on a major contract extension, and plenty of that was, was the regression of the offense, but plenty of it, too, was losing guys uh, on defense that they couldn't afford anymore because they, they're now paying their quarterback. They just weren't quite as loaded on that side of the ball uh, this time around. So the Colts are in a nice spot where for the, next, uh, for the next three years, they don't have to think about that. Really, the next four years with the fifth-year option, uh, if if they get to that point with Anthony Richardson, then you know they are going to have to get to a point where where if they if they do want to entertain a, a deal that big, you hope you're in that spot because you hope sure. your quarterback has earned that earned the earned the right to have that conversation. But he's got to have that kind of otherworldly ability. I think Anthony, though, in terms of talent, I mean, he, he certainly has flashed that. So I have a feeling if we're having that conversation of you know is he worth a deal like what Jalen Hurst just got. It's probably because he's put it together on the field, stayed on the field long enough to to make that happen. So I think they have to be feeling pretty good about the spot that they're in right now. Uh, It's different than other teams that are really debating whether or not you pay a guy that you can tell doesn't have otherworldly abilities. I don't think that'll be the conversation with
1: Anthony Richardson. Nate Atkins with us, and just as a follow-up, Nate, because we talked about this. I don't know, KB, what was it yesterday or his it Monday? It's one of the days. Long week around here. Uh, it's it's tough doing sports talk radio. Okay, Nate, it's very difficult doing three hours a day. But oh, we're yeah, yeah we're having the conversation about this very thing. You know, they have a little bit more than seventy million dollars uh, in salary cap, but so much of that could go to Michael Pittman and a couple other guys taking care of your own. So, and then you throw in the rookie class you're on to pay those guys something I don't know how much flexibility they actually do have and so it's kind of this odd thing of you know do they take a swing outside the building? Free agency? That's not always a team-friendly deal, though, once you get into free agency. So they're not paying their quarterback, but they might pay, you know, a bunch of guys. And quite frankly, a lot of these guys on the team haven't made the postseason. So how do you think How do you think they deal with that? I don't even know the question there. but the, So they have the flexibility, but they also might bring a bunch of these guys back. What do you make of that?
5: Yeah, I mean, we know under Chris Ballard, is. Demo has been to re-sign his guys. And at times that has been, you know, it's, it's not been the most popular thing. But I think this year it's much more justifiable given that they're coming off a 9-8 and eight year given the guys that are free agents are players that it really would hurt to lose. Obviously, Michael Pittman Jr., I think Julian Blackman you could throw in that camp when we watch what the secondary was uh, after he went down. Uh, Grover Stewart, when we watched how the run defense was when he wasn't out there. So it makes sense for them to go go out there and really lock these guys up. And because they had great years, they're going to be more expensive, especially Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, but the the one advantage you have, though, too, if that's the route where you're going to spend a lot of money on your own in-house guys and, and sign them to multi-year deals, is they do have the ability to structure it in a way that, that can uh, push the cap into the into the future years. The salary cap's going to keep rising each year. So they've got 70 million available this year, but next year they're up way over a hundred million. So they can push some of those, some of those cap hits more into the future if they want to go and and really bolster the team right now. And and that's easier to sell to the guys that you're bringing back on your team because you're able to say, Hey, we want to bring back more of you guys. You want to be able to add to it. Uh, you know, they need to actually follow that up if that's going to be the line of thinking, but I think they absolutely could do that and go out and in you know, a position I think that, that they could really look at and, and, and should look at is like outside cornerback. Is there another guy that could fall in that uh, Stephon Gilmore type of range or maybe a little bit lower than that, uh, but but a swing of a, a real veteran that you could put on the outside opposite Juju Brent that can really get this thing moving? Because obviously we know that position has held them back. And so if you just go at a couple positions that have, that have really hurt them uh, that's the main one that's jumping out to me. I think you could argue, you know, a veteran, another veteran receiver, maybe could be could be something, or a tight end. Uh, but there's, I, I don't think it'll be a bunch of different outside players they need to get. But one or two swings, uh, like they have done before. If he's willing to do that, I think you can structure the guys you're bringing back and be able to fit a lot of these different guys under the cap and and make them feel like you're going for it at the same time.
2: Yeah, Nate Atkins is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. And, Nate, I want to focus. I know you've certainly written a lot. I've got a very good relationship with Michael Pittman Jr. I want to focus on Pittman here for just a second. February 20th, that begins the franchise tag window. It's a two-week window. Uh, And then March 13th is the start of free agency. So with those dates in mind, I'll throw you three options for Pittman. Uh, what do you think is the most likely? The Colts tag him in that window and then figure out the long-term deal later. They just figure out a long-term deal before free agency starts on March 13th, or he ultimately hits the open market on March 13th. What do you think is the most likely?
5: I think the most likely is they franchise tag in and work on a deal from there, uh, because I think if they get to the point where you know they're they're going to make an offer to him, uh, you know before before that date, but Michael Pittman, he wants to hit free agency. And it's not just, it's not because he's like dead set on leaving. He wants that benefit of uh, the competitive market and teams bidding up on each other. He kind of wants to see what all is out there. It's, it's just a very advent, advantageous spot for a wide receiver of his caliber to be in right now. And he's a guy that has thought a ton about this growing up kind of around the game with a dad who played running back for a long time. He's been preparing for this moment and this is the way he's always talked about it he always wanted to uh once you know once they got to a point where they weren't extending big time offers to him early on he wanted to just wait and get to free agency uh the Colts I think will realize that they know it's going to cost them a lot no matter what they do if they're able to get him under contract but if you franchise tag him at least you take away uh that those other teams and their their chances of bidding on him. now you still have to come through and, and make reasonable offers I think because the They have to handle this the right way because what I don't think they should do is franchise tag him and then just try and use that as all the leverage they have in the world because they've tried to use the franchise tag as a leverage point with a star player before and that led to a meeting on a bus and a (laughs) four-game holdout and a lot of nasty stuff with Jonathan Taylor. And I'm not saying it would go exactly that way with Michael Pittman, but he has said that uh, he was proud of Jonathan Taylor and thinks players should model uh, their negotiations off of him whenever they need to. So that to me was a little bit of a message of like, Hey, you know, I I'm, I'm happy to sign a, a big time deal. I think I'm worth it, but you know, I, I'm also not going to, you know, I'm not going to just going to sit here and be a robot either. So I think the Colts know that Chris Ballard talks to Michael Pittman all the time. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I just think they have to find some way to, the only route I think they could have to not tagging him or, or not keeping him for this season would be if they find a, an upgrade and not not an equal player an upgrade. So I think if they see like a T Higgins on the market, if they really want to go that route, if they they got to be sure he's better. If it's not that, I mean, you're looking at a trade for like an AJ Brown, something very uh, not so likely. Uh, but I, I think they realize that if they if they want to get this moving with Anthony Richardson. Uh, to be serious about that, you can't let you know the, the guy who's led your team in a receiving for three straight years by in a landslide, you know, walk out the door and not have a good replacement. So, and I don't I don't think they will because I think the cap spot they're in with $70 million, uh, even though Chris Ballard may maybe he doesn't love the wide receiver market. I think he'll deal with it a lot better when he has that much money to throw around.
1: Nate Atkins with us here from the Star Files the Colts. He joins us here on the Wake Up Call, the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. The health of Jim Ursay, Boy, I, I don't know if I'm even asking you is there an update because I don't think there is, but uh, obviously the health of Jim Ursay is at the very top. We hope he gets better. So There's that story, Nate, and then on top of it you know you have a new NFL season draft process ongoing free agency we're talking about Michael Pittman no doubt uh in years past I'm sure Ursay uh, has been a part of those discussions so the football stuff and then obviously the health stuff there's a lot going on right now with Jim Ursay
5: yeah there is and it's hard to get into a lot of it uh just the private nature of it so you know we know he's he, the Colts put out a statement that he's dealing with a, a severe respiratory issue. He's he's been dealing with that for, uh, for for quite some time now, and there hasn't really been any update from there. So, uh, kind of until we hear more, it's hard to hard to say too much on the the big picture, the long term of that. Obviously, when he's dealing with that, he's not going to be. Um, as involved as he often is and and obviously this time of year he's usually he's been very involved the last two offseasons, you think about it last year was the coaching search so he was in on all those kind of final interviews and the year before was kind of his his stand to to move off of Carson Wentz and and get the quarterback uh figured out so um I guess in in a sense you know it's they don't have nearly as many decisions to make as a franchise uh but uh, but, yeah, until until he's back or until we hear kind of an update on, on where he's at, you know, it's just a hard thing to read too much into, and it's not something I really want to speculate on too much either. Just hoping for the best for him.
2: He is Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Nate, I know it's a quiet time in the off season, not necessarily the worst thing in the world for your franchise that you cover, uh, but appreciate you making time for us here on this Wednesday morning. If we don't see you before, we'll uh, probably see you in a few weeks here at the Combine, man.
5: Yeah, let's hope it stays quiet.